guys, welcome back to, I think, Life. we were on a good stretch where we were doing it pretty consistently every week, but I think it has been about 16 days since the last one. Now, granted, it was an international break last week, no league football, but uh, still pretty, pretty tough. Yeah, and we'll just say that we followed the international schedule there, took our sabbatical. We had a, uh, we had to take a... COVID-19 break or whatever it is when they test positive, 14 days off minimum. So, um, but we are back and here to discuss what was a huge weekend of football um, in England and Italy and Spain. Big upsets all around. Injuries, Jose Mourinho being a douche. Well, you know, what more can he ask for from a European football weekend? But first, Lath, we begin in the Premier League where my beloved Arsenal – one nil loss at Manchester City. I'll be honest though, I got a lot of texts from friends after the game, like making fun of Arsenal and trying to talk some some noise. But I honestly wasn't that disappointed in a one nil loss to a team that, let's be honest, usually beats us like four zero. Yeah, that's that's nothing to be bad about. But aren't y'all also the highest ranked London team on the table right now? I mean, maybe. I honestly, in all seriousness, I haven't even taken a look at the Premier League table in a while. Let's I know Chelsea see. and Tottenham haven't been playing too hot, so y'all might be ranked ahead of – I know you're ranked ahead of both, I think. So, Premier League standings here. Well, way to just bulldoze through to a thing we were going to talk about a little bit later. But, uh, yes, Arsenal <laughs> are indeed in fifth ahead of Tottenham and Chelsea, who are in seventh and eighth, respectively. But us in fifth, not that surprising. What is surprising, though, and one thing you just cannot fail to notice when you take a look at the Premier League table is who is at the very top. Everton, five matches played with four wins and one draw, a big draw against Liverpool that we'll discuss in just a second. But bloody hell, Aston Villa with a perfect record, four wins from four matches. I know you're not the biggest Premier League guy, Leif, but what it, do you have any words for that? Because I honestly don't. Uh, no, I'm shocked. I didn't think that they made any big moves as far as the transfer market, so that was completely out of left field for me at least. And when you look at the teams they've beaten, Leicester, don't forget a 7-2 to win against Liverpool, um, which that still I, – I, I feel like I'm misreading that, but no, that's that I got to remember that did happen. And then a win versus Fulham and a win versus Sheffield United. So they look like the real deal after just barely avoiding – um, relegation, but I want to get back to Arsenal here real fast before we move through what is a blinding list of fixtures that we've got to compile here before we move on later in the show. One no loss to City, um, shockingly good defending I thought from Arsenal. This, again, I only—I'll admit—I only watched one game this weekend, and admittedly, I only watched one half of one game. That was the first half of Arsenal City. Um, I was impressed by how much better the defense looked against a team like City, who can tear even the best defenses apart. So a team that has Rob Holding and David Luiz on it, you know, not usually expecting to defend that well against a team like Manchester City. But the only game, the only goal that we gave up was a pretty slick move by Manchester City and ultimately needed a rebound finish from Raheem Sterling to even go in. So it's not like they just ripped us apart the entire game. But the only other point I want to bring up, I don't know, did you see the backlash from the picture and video of Sergio Aguero involving the referee from the weekend? I might have skimmed over it i don't know the context though so if you weren't aware or otherwise living under a rock as late seems to be um 
Aguero at some point in the match kind of unhappy with a call from the side judge referee who was a woman, which isn't that strange. There's a lot of women linesmen um, in the game now. But he, you know, in the process of kind of arguing his case or voicing his frustrations with her, kind of puts his arm around her shoulder in a way that a lot of people took offense to, saying that he wouldn't have necessarily done that to a male referee. It was it wasn't like he was touching her inappropriately. It was like more I think what people were saying was that it implied that he is saying she somehow doesn't know what he's doing. What'd uh, you say? That he like thought less of her. Yeah, I guess. Like put her put his arm around to say as if you would like your little brother to just say, Listen yeah. here, buddy, you're wrong. Um right. and people people a lot of people were not pleased with that that I saw on Twitter. Um, the men and Blazers sending out stuff, a lot of women in soccer, some U.S. women's national team members tweeting stuff as well. Um, but it did come out, uh, I think on, I think today or either today or Sunday that, you know, the the Premier League or the FA are not going to punish Sergio Aguero in any way for that, um, which I think is probably a smart move because I don't think necessarily, you know, Again, you can make we can argue all about you can you can argue all day if whether or not he would have done that to a man, but this the, the physical contact is not illegal. I mean, you see guys right. referees as long as it's not in like an aggressive or obviously unwarranted manner. You know, that's usually not anything that warrants a suspension. I was just curious what your thoughts kind of are on that and what to what to make of it. Yeah, I think if there's nothing that's explicitly against the rules, there's really not much you can do in terms of punishment. I think their hands are tied at that point, even if there was something, I guess, demeaning about it. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it was probably the right call not to do anything just because you don't know what the kind of doors it's going to open up later. Yeah. I mean, certainly not the brightest move from Aguero, and I think, you know, he's rightfully catching a lot of crap for it, but – a bit, I think it would have been a bit harsh for him to miss any time due to a suspension or something. But speaking of missing time, Manchester City's counterparts, or what I should say, Everton's counterparts for the league title this year, Liverpool and Everton squaring off in the Merseyside Derby at the weekend, finished in a 2-2 draw. But there's two main points late that even though I didn't watch it and I know you didn't watch it, it was impossible do not hear about both of these things um, throughout the weekend as it was huge news across the footballing world. One, the injury to Virgil van Dijk. It was reported um, today that he actually will be undergoing ACL surgery. I don't know exactly how bad his ACL is torn, but surgery is surgery, and that's going to mean significant amount of time missed. So two things to you, Leif. One, if you did have a chance to see the challenge, it was Jordan Pickford um, – not coming out of his box, but really straying far away to the left to make a challenge on Van Dyke, who was in behind, but basically runs right through Van Dyke. And it turns there there was no foul given because Van Dyke was ruled to be offside. But where do you come down on this as far in terms of you know, because usually a challenge like that is potentially a red, especially by a goalkeeper in, in the box, and it doesn't help that Van Dyke sustained, you know, a pretty serious injury. But do you think that simply the fact that the guy is offside should mean that there cannot be a foul given there? Uh, that's another tricky one. So you're saying that Van Dyke was offside? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if that should mean that the foul shouldn't be given, but I can see how it could be viewed a little more leniently. But I, I have to confess I haven't seen the actual challenge. So Really doing your job, Really doing your job here, like, <laughs> 
not like it's not like this is I checked I was looking through our stats on the on the show today. It's not like we haven't done forty four episodes prior to this one, you know. But really, we're on our forty fourth episode. Forty fifth. This would be our forty fifth. Oh nice. A little over a little over sixteen hundred listens um through that would we ought to do something special on our fiftieth one that will yeah, take we'll like next I don't know year. <laughs> maybe what you, what you ought to do special for it is just actually watch the dang games and then maybe uh, okay, okay. we'll do some podcast. But anyway, I digress. So my take on this, having seen the challenge, at least replays of it, is I think you can't give a penalty on a play like that because again, he's offside. He couldn't have scored, so it's not a denial of a goal scoring opportunity. But I think Pickford may have deserved to get at least a yellow, if not maybe a red. Like you can, I feel like you can make a judgment call as a ref that doesn't, you know, because a yellow lets him know, hey, what you did, like you can't. That's illegal. You shouldn't do that. You can't do that. And a red would really hammer that, you know, lesson home. But I think to give a penalty to have something that would directly change that particular game immediately like that would be a bit harsh. But there was a big referee decision that did ultimately do just that, affect the game directly. Um, and that was a controversial VAR call against Liverpool in the last minutes. Um, Sadio Mane with an assist to Jordan Henderson. I mean, seriously, in the dying embers of the game. But given a goal immediately on the field by the ref, but after VAR called it off, and I'm sure, again, Leith, you probably haven't seen this because, you know, you don't really even watch <laughs> soccer for a guy who's on one half of a soccer podcast. But even on VAR, like it's one of those like instant replays where at the very bare minimum, you just say the call stands like there's not enough in the video to overturn anything. If anything, it may have confirmed that he was onside, I thought. But how and I think the letter of the law is there has to be a a like I forget what the actual verbiage is, but has to be a clear and obvious error. That's what it is a clear and obvious error by the referee in order to VAR for VAR to overturn a decision. And basically, even on the, the VAR footage, doesn't look offside at all. Now, I know you and I are not the type to really cry and throw a pity party for Liverpool getting a bad VAR decision. But I was just, you know, going to ask you what you thought of it. But then again, you didn't see it. Yeah, well, even though I didn't see it, I, my, my position on VAR is that, listen, yeah, some people have gotten screwed, but everybody's gotten screwed. It's a new rule. It's not like it's targeting certain teams. So I think it's just something that you got to live with regardless. Well, my argument to be, and we're, I don't want to make this the VAR podcast because believe me, plenty of, plenty of other podcasts are going to do that. I'm not here to have that discourse really. But you say that every club gets screwed. Well, if every club gets screwed, then let's just get rid of it. Like if It <laughs> seems that every single club doesn't really like it. So why do we still have it is my question. But either way, Everton will certainly be glad that they have it as they – remain atop the table after five matches with four wins and one draw. Although their quest for a perfect uh, Premier League season crushed by Liverpool, which I'm sure uh, they're not too pleased about. But the Invincibles, they could still do that. And so could Aston Villa, who actually still do have a perfect record, as we mentioned. Um, I'll put this question to you here, Leif, before we move on to our other leagues. Which... Of these two, Everton or Aston Villa falters first because it's got to happen to him at some point, right? You would think so, and I'm I'm going to go with Aston Villa just because I think that Everton is more quality uh, in depth as a team. Uh, you know, we saw that we talked about it a little bit a few pods back. That kind of new uh, midfield that they put together with James Rodriguez and Allen and some of those guys, 
uh, Ducare from that was left from Watford. But yeah, I think that this is a team that's kind of found its identity now. Uh, if, if you can say that for an Everton team, they finally deviated from you know, know the kind of mishaps that they made last year, and they really seem to be playing a type of soccer that they can maintain. Yeah, Carlo Ancelotti does seem to have the the toffees playing pretty well, and it doesn't hurt that James Rodriguez is also playing like one of the best midfielders in the Premier League at the moment. But Aston Villa draw leads United on Friday, and then Southampton and Everton on Sunday. Um, I think I back honestly both of those teams to probably get a win there. But I really wanted to avoid doing it all together. I was at least able to push it back from the top of the show. So hopefully anybody who listens to our crap has already turned it off by now. Doesn't have to hear me eat some some humble pie here. But <laughs> the relegation zone derby, which we did not do a preview pod on, of course, because we're lazy and don't really know the podcast all that often. Enter in AC Milan. If you're a follower of this show, you know that I favor the blue half of Milan and Inter. Meanwhile, Lath inexplicably likes AC Milan. But your boys got the job done at the weekend. Two goals from Zlatan. One goal from my boy Romelu Lukaku, who I told you at the time would come back and score one in the second half, and he just didn't. Um, <laughs> I'll admit I was wrong there. But I'll let you have... Have the floor for a couple of minutes here, Leith, and uh, tell us what you saw from Milan. Yeah, I, I really wish I'd gotten to see more of this game. Uh, yeah, obviously Zlatan has come in and he's changed things just immediately. And we saw this last year. I remember I talked up that table last year about how if they had gone on from the moment he entered the club to that point, they would have finished first. And it seems like that kind of form has just carried through into this year. Uh and this is something that I like. It excites me because I think, yeah, this is something that's good. That's really helped out the club, but it also makes you wonder, is this something that's sustainable? I mean, we know Zlatan apparently doesn't age, but in reality, the dude is like, what, 37, 38? So if he's the centerpiece of the attack or what you're trying to build at AC Milan, it really makes you wonder, is this something that you can keep on going on in the next couple of years? Or is this going to be another, I guess, hindrance to the rebuild? Yeah, you wouldn't. As well as they are playing, you don't want to keep looking down at the score sheet and see the only name on there is right. Lott. Because you got to think he can't. I mean, he's proven it time and again, but even the immortal of us, like Zlatan, eventually, you know, start to wear down a little bit. But it doesn't look like that's happening um, anytime soon. And then from an inter perspective, you know, hats off to AC Milan. Looks like they've played just a better match and, and you know, won on their day. Not too concerned about what that means for Inter Milan going forward. Still very early on in the new season. But AC Milan, top of the table. The only, yeah, team, the, table. the only team with a perfect record. But I'm pretty sure 4, 5, and 6, Napoli, Juve, and Inter will have something to say about that as, uh, as we move forward. But speaking of upsets, which I think it'd be fair to say that AC Milan result was one. <laughs> Over in La Liga, Barca and Real Madrid who really need to start gaining some momentum as we get closer and closer to El Clasico this weekend, which I just have seen no news about. I didn't even know that that was happening until 20 minutes ago. But not a great tune-up round for either of these sides as Real Madrid lose 0-1 to to a team I've never even heard of called Cadiz. Cadiz, if that's in Catalonia, I don't really know. Um, I'm assuming that's a newly promoted side in La Liga. And then Hatafe taking down Barca 1-0. So... Going in, and we'll make our picks later here, so I don't want you to make a prediction here late, but who 
are you feeling better about at the moment based off this past you know week of results? Who is more likely to bounce back from from embarrassing losses for either side? I think when you look at this, Real Madrid's got to be the only answer. I mean, they're still playing the type of style that they implemented last year, and this Barca team is still figuring itself out. You know, they got Long coming at the helm. They're really playing the type of style that they've not been used to. I mean, they've been running the IX system, the 4-3-3 for years, and I think they came into this game with a 4-2-3-1 uh, with Griezmann out on the wing, which is another thing. I, you, you know, it's not an area where you like to see him. So I think that Barca's still got a lot of figuring things out to do in these early stages of the league, and I think this is something that Real Madrid can figure out fairly quickly. Well, speaking of Barca, you know, I remember it was one of my hot takes going into the season that Ronald Koeman doesn't finish through the year. You know, I don't have my ear to the streets of Barcelona or contacts in La Liga to know kind of what the the feelings are surrounding him at the club at the moment. But not off to the ideal start are Barcelona. They have a draw against Sevilla and now a loss against Atape just through four games. So, I mean, are we looking at if, if Barcelona doesn't win this weekend, you know, how hot is his seat? Because and then the reverse could also be true. If they beat Real Madrid, that probably cures a lot of ills for them as well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's something that's <laughs> I, I've really one likened this, this situation to that of Gus Malzahn Auburn. I know none of our listeners are going to understand uh, what I mean by that at all. But basically, it's yeah, if he wins this one big game, I think all is probably forgiven uh, fairly quickly, especially since he hasn't been there for a long time. Yeah. I still stand by my prediction, though, that Komen, I don't, you know, I don't really see this Real Madrid game going too well for Barca, but who knows? It's El Clasico, and you've got Messi on your team, so you're never really out of things. But a quick update on those standings here, too. Real Sociedad in first, followed by Villarreal, led by Unai Emery, who I guess decided to finally be good. Or maybe it's just the fact that he really doesn't speak English, so that's what was holding him back. And now that he's back in his native Spain, he's got his, he's got his team working, but no perfect records um, even close to it in the league. In fact, the only team without a loss is still Atletico Madrid, but they sit in eighth because they have two wins and two draws. So pretty rough start for the Spanish league, but a lot of time left to go. Of course, we're only there. I think a few teams in there are six games through. Um, so they got started a little bit earlier than the rest, but Cadiz again, team I didn't even know existed sitting in so. fifth. We'll no. see what and then lastly, to the Bundesliga, where you mentioned Leif Bayern beat a team that you'd never heard of. And to be frankly, I've never heard of it. If you haven't heard of him, you can bet your ass I've never heard of him. Um, <laughs> but a nice 4-1 victory despite a red card for Corentin Talisa in the 76th minute. But Bayern, yeah. as Bayern does, but there's still one point off the top of the table behind Leipzig. But Again, Leif, I'll lean on you as the residential Bundesliga expert who also does not watch any Bundesliga games. <laughs> Who's been the most impressive team so far? I mean, okay, i got to combat that a little bit. I watch Bundesliga games, but, uh, yeah, you're correct. I didn't watch many this weekend. and uh, But I think just looking at it, I mean, I don't know. Did we have a pod before the last transfer or, before, or after the end of the transfer window? Or have we even talked about those kind of last-second moves? I don't think so. I don't think we have. Okay, well, before the window ended, Bayern really just looked sloppy, but they also looked absolutely just tired as crap. It was evident they were just they weren't pressing the way they should have been. And they really kind of made three 
yeah, three or four moves right on the deadline day that really is going to help him out this year. Gave him a lot of depth, bringing the back Douglas Costa, uh, the flashy winger or Brazilian winger out back from Juventus, and a uh, Bonasar, who's another one of those pacey right backs. Uh, we took, dug him out of League One. So just those moves alone is something that's really going to revitalize Bayern and give them some depth. I think that Bayern has still looked fairly impressive off of the break, but this Dortmund team, I've got to say, They've just been banging in goals left and right. And it's been from all the young players. You know, Gio Reyna, um, what is his name? The guy that's on loan from Real Madrid. I think it's Rainier. Those guys, they're just really performing. And it's really making Dortmund look like a very dangerous team this fall and someone that's going to have to be taken serious. Yeah, I told you pre-season that Dortmund were looking pretty solid. And, And I think I said that Erling Holland would win the European Golden Boot. Now, Lewandowski still ahead of him in that department as Holland is sitting on four goals in the Bundesliga and Lewandowski with seven, but a lot of time left to go, as we have said. All right. But that's the Bundesliga lay. I think even in your most optimistic evaluations of your favorite league, doesn't really compare competitively to where Mr. Holland succeeds the most, and that is the Champions League, which returns tomorrow at time of recording here on Monday, October 19th. So, Let's take a deep dive and get a little Champions League preview action on here. Now, we I have the list of the groups in front of me. Um, of course, pre-show, we're trying to remember all the group names. I forgot that it even went all the way to H. Um, I didn't know there was that many. But it just shows how much attention we've been paying to football again. Like, literally, if you're listening to this, like, I'd, I'd like to say, like, I apologize sincerely for how, like, crap this just is already. But, no, you knew that this is what it was. If you've been listening to us, it was no real surprise. But... With that said, Lath, let's go through the UCL groups, pick some winners, have an idea to get a, a glimpse, you know, who do we think the group of death is and probably who who we back to make potentially. I guess let's just do the whole shebang. Let's let's pick group winners. Let's pick semifinal and final like we did um, at the start of last season. Now, unfortunately, prior to recording, I did not go back and try to track, you know, um, who we did pick. I think you picked City and I picked Atleti and that didn't work out very well for either of us, but worked out for you as a oh, fan. It worked out pretty well for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah not, from, not from the analyst perspective, but from the fan, it certainly did. But that aside here, Laith, I'm going to run through the groups right here and I want your instant group of death reaction, so be thinking about it. Group A, Atletico Madrid with Bayern Munich, Lokomotiv Moscow and RB Salzburg. Group B, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, and Shakhtar Donetsk. Group C, Manchester City, Olympiacos, Marseille, and Porto. Okay, I'll go ahead and say Man City always be getting these easy-ass groups. Like, what the hell? That's absurd. Group D, Ajax, Atalanta, Liverpool, and Mitchelland. Some Dansk team. I think that's a Dansk team. I don't really know. That is. Group E, Chelsea, FC, Krasnodar. Um, Ren out of France, and then finally Sevilla. Group F, Dortmund, Bruges, Lazio, and Zenit. Group G, Barca, Dynamo, Kiev, Juve, and a team whose name I refuse to pronounce and will not acknowledge because I don't think they're going to win a single point in the group, so it really doesn't matter. And then Group H, Besiktas, Man United, PSG, and Leipzig. Yeah, I mean, when you just look at those right off the bat, you got to think that Group H is the group of death. I mean, you got the three big names. I know Manchester United hasn't been playing great but from a talent standpoint. This is a pretty big clash. PSG, the reigning runners-up, and Leipzig also making the semifinals this past year. 
So that's two big names in there, and it's really going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, sorry, Besiktas, you guys are probably out there. But I also want to call attention to this Group B. I know a lot of people probably won't take much notice to this, but I know you've got your boys enter in there, Real Madrid with a lot of talent, but Gladback is a team that's really been on the rise. We saw it last year, and I think that they'll make this group pretty interesting. Yeah. Usually in my group of death, you know, picks or favorings, I usually lean toward – because. The type of groups you usually get is you get one like Group C in City where there's just one team by far better than everyone else. And I swear that just always happens to be Man City. Um, But, of course, they need the help. They can never win a Champions League anyway. But there's a group like that. Then there's a group, which is the usual group you'll see, is two really good teams then just two kind of average teams. Pretty easy to pick who's going to come out of the group. Then we have what we do with Group H and kind of also in Group B where you have two or three like really good teams, and then one just terrible one. And then the final rarest group, but again, usually if I see one, I claim that as the group of death, is one that actually, you know, there's not one superstar team in all of it, but like between what you would think the best team and the worst team, like it honestly wouldn't shock you if any of those teams qualified, Um, which we saw last year with Chelsea's group. I think they had Chelsea... Leipzig and like a couple of other decent teams. I think Ajax was also in that group, um, but we don't really have one of those here because looking through it, you know, at least ev- it, like one of at least every group is pretty bad, with the exception maybe of City's group. But City is just that much better than the rest of them, um, so City will have no trouble getting through there. But yeah, it's easily Group H. I think you know Yash Bika, one of the. Um, Premier Pod guys on Twitter was having an absolute fit on Twitter when these uh, <laughs> um, uh, draws were announced because, man, Man United is going to have a tough time. I mean, drawing – again, drawing two semifinalists from last year is never is never great. And, you know, I don't know that much about Besiktas, but who knows? Maybe they have enough in the tank to, you know, win a home fixture in that, which would really make things tough on United. But I agree. I think it's Group H. Um, the next – I think you mentioned uh, Group B. I mean, Gladback, Inter, and Real. Gladback are a decent team, and then Inter and Real Madrid. I think those matchups should be phenomenal. Watching Hakimi against his former club will be really, really interesting. But I also want to draw some attention to Group D. Now, Ajax, I'd be honest, I don't know if I can even name an Ajax player at this point now that Van de Beek and Zayic. um, I think Onana is still there, so congrats. The black goalie, that's the guy we can name. Um, But... Looking through that, I mean, FC Midulin, Reno you know, isn't going to trouble anybody, but Atalanta and Liverpool, I would love to see who comes out on top of that group, especially now that Virgil van Dijk is is likely, or well, he will miss the entirety of the group stage. Um, and then looking through the rest, you know, Barca-Juve, a really interesting pairing, but then two really easy teams, you know. Um, yeah. So the that group, you know, the winner of it will be decided by Barca Juve, those two matches. But after that, the second of those teams is certainly moving through. And then worth mentioning again, Man City lining the pockets of UEFA, as they always do, getting this draw with Olympiacos, Marseille, and Porto. But all right, that's enough of an overarching view. Let's get down into the nitty gritty and make some picks for these draws here, Lay. So Again, Group A. Let me hold on. Let me get a pencil out so we can record these because I swear every time we do predictions, the the thing is I just forget to write them down, so we don't really know. Or then if I don't write them down, like I could just go back and listen through the entire pod. I'm like I don't really feel like doing that. It's a lot of time and effort. So 
going to get out the pen here so we can get right to it. All right, Group A, Atletico, Bayern, Lokomotiv, Moscow, and RB Salzburg. Pick the winner and second place. I think you got to go with Bayern and then Atleti. It's, I mean, those are the teams that's the best in that group. You can expect Salzburg to maybe still win from one of those two teams, but they're not going to put too much pressure on about to say no, no love for Salzburg. I know you're you, you have softer feelings, softer feelings towards Salzburg than you do RB Leipzig of the two RB teams. Anyway, yeah, a few of my uh, for the past, a few of my um, young talents to watch or my unknowns have come from Salzburg. So yeah, they're, they're a little close to my heart, but not enough to to warrant a spot at the top of this group. Unknowns, you a dang unknown. It's been so long since we've come. <laughs> I forgot that used to be a segment, um, but I guess that's a. I mean. A good sign on the one hand that we've been around long enough to have a forgotten segment, but also not good that we do have a forgotten segment. Um, <laughs> all right. So for group A, I think I'm going to lean toward, yeah, it's just impossible to pick against Byron um, here. So I'll go Byron first and yeah, Letty second. Pretty, pretty much a lock for that group. Now, what about Group B? This is the first, you know, more interesting debate can be made here between Muchen Gladbach, Inter, Real Madrid, and Shakhtar. What do you think there? Uh, as much as I would like to rep the Bundesliga, I think this one ends up being a real close one, but I think uh, Inter comes up on top of this one and Real Madrid coming in second. Inter and Real Madrid. Okay. Ugh, I'd like to bet on Inter to come out as top dogs here, but I wasn't thrilled with our performance, like I said, at the weekend. But – I think I'm going to back Real Madrid probably to finish first, um, but I don't think Inter will struggle too hard to to qualify. I think this will be really tight at the top, but I think they'll probably draw one of the games with Real and then lose one. So that'll be the ultimate um, deciding factor. All right, Group C, make this real fast. City one, then who else you got? I got Marseille second. All right, fair enough. Um I think just for laughs, I'll pick Porto. Sure, why not? They can they can maybe get through. Who knows? Just to have pick than you, but it's gonna be. I mean, City are gonna win this group by like six or seven points. I think. Well, Porto has lost Alex Tejas, who's pretty much the majority of their team. So, not yeah. much getting deep into that anyway. All right, Group D: Ajax, Atalanta, Liverpool, and Danish team. What you think there? Uh, I think that. Liverpool and Ajax are going to steal the win here. Liverpool on top, and Ajax has got a lot of new young talents coming in. I know they always do. That's not a big change, but I think this team looks a little bit more exciting than last year despite the loss of uh, Donny van de Beek and Serginho Dest. I think they'll stick through that same spot. Okay, I'm actually – I can't believe you're disrespecting Atalanta like this, a team that played really well in the Champions League last season and scored more goals than just about anybody in Europe um, in their own league. So definitely going – I still really can't bet against Liverpool to not win the group, but Atlanta, I think, easily at two. I don't think Ajax really – I think coming into the final day, it, it'll it be decided already that Atlanta will have that second spot. Um, all right, Group E, Chelsea, Krasnodar, Wren, and Sevilla. Uh, this is another one of those groups you're talking about with the kind of the two teams that stand above the rest. So I'm going to have to go Chelsea first. Well, actually, no. I think I'm going to go Sevilla first and Chelsea second. They get a little bit of a dose from – uh, the reigning um, Europa League champs. And then, yeah, that's it. 
I think Sevilla definitely looked like the more stable of the two sides right now. But again, the UCL group stage is stretched out over, you know, weeks and weeks. I think we're going to see a lot better of a Chelsea side in the coming weeks than we have so far. Um, so I'll take Chelsea to finish top and Sevilla um, in second. And then Group F, Dortmund, Bruges, Lazio, and Zenit. I think this is pretty straightforward here. Yeah, I'm going to go Dortmund first and then Lazio second. They're the, top, they're the two top competitors in their leagues. Other two don't really stand much of a chance in that regard. Yep, right there with you there. Um, group G, another instance, Barca, Dynamo Kiev, Juve, and a team that shall not be named. <laughs> you sure you don't want to put the, the Ram team up top? You don't, yeah. you don't have much faith in them? All right, I'm going to have to go with uh, Juve first and Barca second. Juve's just got it more figured out. Yep, I agree completely. And now, best for last, Group H. Do you have the sack to pick anyone over PSG for the number one spot? And then who grabs that second spot? That's going to be the real race. No, I'm going to have to give PSG the number one spot. I mean, this is their mission. This is why they play soccer for the most part is the UCL. So you got to go with PSG first. And number two, I'm giving it to Leipzig. Second year under Nagelsmann, you know they're ready to take it by storm again. They performed admirably last year, and they only got better this year despite the loss of Werner uh, to Chelsea. So, yeah, Leipzig takes the second spot, and Manchester United misses out. Part of me really wants to disagree just to have something to watch here, but – Again, my my brain is telling me the same thing. I think PSG's probably pretty safe. I think the biggest competition, I think, would really be PSG and Leipzig for that one spot. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I just don't see United um, really, really. I mean, of course they could. You know, they're you're going to think probably some guaranteed points against Besiktas. But I think of all these teams in here between United, PSG, and Leipzig. The one most likely to drop what would be critical points to Besiktas, I think, would be United. And if they were to do that, that makes their road to qualification just so, so difficult because you know PSG are getting two wins out of two from Besiktas, and you got to think Leipzig probably are as well. And you got to support your take. Remember, what was it, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gun before Christmas? Is that what you said? I think I said Mourinho gone before Christmas. Oh, did you say Mourinho? Uh uh, well, okay. Oh, we can go back and listen, but who knows? I, again, I think I agree with you, though. PSG going through and Leipzig. So, to recap, let's see where you and I disagree. So, we have Bayern 1 at Letty 2. You have Inter 1, Real Madrid 2. I actually am picking against my team to, to finish first. I have Real Madrid 1, Inter 2. You have City Marseille. I have City and Porto. You have Liverpool 1, Ajax 2. Blasphemy against Atalanta. Um, you know, I love a blue and black Italian team. That's just how it is. But Liverpool one, I you have Liverpool one, Ajax two. I'm going to have Liverpool one, Atalanta two. You have Sevilla one, Chelsea two in Group E. I have Chelsea one, Sevilla two. Dortmund, Lazio the same. Juve, Barca the same, and PSG, Leipzig the same. So the only team, you know, if we're right, we'll have the like the only round of sixteen different team we have is Marseille and Porto, um, which. Kind of sucks that we both agree that much. It kind of would make <laughs> these games are that these groups are not that entertaining. But I actually think this should be a really interesting group stage, and it'll show us what we know because I'm sure we'll be quite wrong um, about several of these. But again, impossible to predict how the round of 16, round of you know eight semifinals going to go because of course we just don't know what the draw is going to look like. Um, but go ahead, Lath, give me 
your semifinals and your Champions League winner. Oof, okay. Uh, and of course, of course, a couple of these teams could end up playing each other before we never really know. This is all speculative, so not really going to hold the semifinalists against you. But uh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and put Bayern in the semifinals. I'm going to put PSG again because I think that's something that's very important to them. Uh, I'm going to put Manchester City in there as well. And for my fourth team, mm, I think I'm going to put Real Madrid back in it. I think that this is going to be a better year for them. But overall winner, I think I'm going to, again, go with City this year. It didn't work out for me last year, but I think that they've got the talent this year. All right. I disagree wholeheartedly here. We're definitely <laughs> So I'm with you on Bayern. They're just – playing too well at the moment i know champions i know by the time they reach the semifinal that'll be months and months from now so form you know hard, impossible to predict that but they're just one of the most talented teams in the world if not the most talented team in the world and the defending champs gotta have them in the semifinals i too like real madrid up there as well but here's where i'm gonna start differing from me i think we're gonna see a double italian flair to the semifinal i like inter and juve to make the UCL semifinals, leaving out um, City. You know, as much as I hate to admit it, I think that Chelsea, actually, if they can figure things out, have the talent to get that far. Um, I just don't know if they can play the defense that well. But a big signing in the winter window at, at the back for them could be huge. Hate to leave Atleti out of this because, again, they were my pick last year. And I do think that they're pretty good this year, but just don't have the confidence to put in them. But Inter's year, I think Inter actually will make the final um, but I think I'm actually going to have to lean toward mm, stuff. I think I'm a back Juve to get it done because they know the clock's ticking, um, on Cristiano Ronaldo there. And I, this is kind of a hot take at the moment because they're really not looking all that well. And I, I don't I mean, people aren't even backing them to win Serie A, but again, that's part of my theory. I think Inter is is gonna win is gonna win the league and force Juve to really really have to go for it in the UCL and they will get it done. So did who did you put? Did you, did you have no English teams in your top four? Yeah, no or English. Teams Chelsea. Nope. Got Bayern, Real Madrid, Inter, and Juve. Okay. Well. Yeah, I, I can see the Juve. That's a good point about ticking clock on Ronaldo, but I don't know. I think that City has just been. Last year was a major disappointment for him, and I think this year they'll just be uber-focused. Well, we shall see. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, been a lot of predictions made so far in this podcast, um, and we're going to make some more for our picks at the weekend because Lath has got a tight lead on me right now, but that will change um, here in a bit. All right, before we get out of here, Lath. Let's update the relegation zone pod league table. You currently lead me by five points in our weekly pickems. If you aren't familiar with what we've been doing so far this season, that might be because we didn't do it last week and what would have been a huge week of games to pick, but, you know, we screwed up. So at the moment, Lath again up by five. And the way it works is we each will pick the winner or the result and the scoreline of eight matches across Europe's top leagues, excluding France. Sorry, League Gun, but you don't count. Um, and then this week we're throwing in a bit of UCL um, games in here since we have a couple of really good ones tomorrow. But the way it works is if you pick the correct winner slash results, like if they win or draw, you get one point for that. If you somehow also pick the correct 
like scoreline that is worth two points. So at the moment, Lathe leads me by five, but it's been pretty volatile through the first four weeks here. So let's go ahead and get started here, Lathe, with our first matchup in the Champions League tomorrow, starting out Group H with a bang, Manchester United and PSG. Who gets the early advantage in that group? I think that um, uh, PSG wins that game three to one. Yikes, predicting a thrashing for against Ole's side. I'm going to say PSG, but I think it's going to be a bit closer. I'm going to say 2-0 to PSG. All right, Lazio and Dortmund, the other uh, best UCL game coming up tomorrow. Uh, I think this ends up going Dortmund's way, and I think it's 3-2. This is 3-2 Dortmund. I... Hmm. I think I'm actually going to lead toward 3-1 here for that one. Um, Erling Holland with two goals, Gio Reyna with a pair of assists as well. All right, back to the Premier League, our second Manchester United game of the week. Manchester United in Chelsea, heavyweight bout in the EPL. Who you got? Uh, Manchester United's not been playing well. Chelsea's been playing decent. I think Chelsea probably snags the dub here 2-1. to one. I'd really like to pick against Chelsea here, but what's holding me back is – Chelsea does not have a tough UCL opponent here um, in match week one. Well, they do have Sevilla, mm. but it just it depends who is going to put more emphasis on their UCL match because that's going to leave a lot of you know new faces and tired legs at the weekend. Is Chelsea going to really commit to Sevilla? Because you think Manchester United really are going to have to um, against PSG if they want any chance of getting a result there. But I'm actually going to back a draw here. I because, yeah, Chelsea can put the ball in the net with the best of them, but they just can't defend. Really, neither can Manchester United. This might be a good game to pick the over in total goals, but I think I'm going to say 2-2 in Chelsea versus Man United. All right, El Clasico. Probably, God, it's a good week of football here, Lay. We're going to have to actually make sure we watch some of these because there's just too many good games. But Barcelona, Real Madrid, both, again, with horrible results last week. Who bounces back here? I think that this ends up being a 2-2 draw. 2-2 draw, Leith says in El Clasico. I'm actually going to go for a 4-2 victory for Los Blancos. Um, Just think they're the more talented side and more well-coached side at the moment, um, which is important. All right. Also in La Liga, Atletico versus Real Betis. Atleti kind of off to a slow start, but Betis isn't exactly setting the world on fire either, sitting in seventh. Um, but they do have three wins, so who who do you think gets this one? Uh, I think this also ends up being a 1-1 draw. A couple of – three draws now picked for Lay there. I'm going to mm-hmm. say 1-0 win for Atleti. All right, to your league of expertise, Bundesliga, RB Leipzig, and Hertha Berlin. RB Leipzig and Hertha Berlin. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Leipzig pretty big, probably 3-0. 3-0 to Leipzig. I agree, but I think they concede at least once. I'm going to say 3-1. And then also in the Bundesliga, Werder Bremen and Hoffenheim. This, I think, is the wild card of the weekend here. Yeah, I, I backed Hoffenheim last time, and I don't think they came through, but that makes me want to take them again. So I'm going to go Hoffenheim 2-1. Kramaric gets on the board. 2-1. He also, I think, is second in the Golden Boot race so far in the early stages in the Bundesliga with six goals. Um I think he does score, but I'm going to back a one-all draw in that one. And then lastly, near and dear to my heart, Arsenal needs a bounce back 
result against Leicester, who have looked pretty strong but are coming off a defeat to Aston Villa. Um, so what do you what do you see there? I think you think you know where I'm going. Oh man, this one's tough. I, I really wanted to put uh, Arsenal as the winner on this, but I think with Leicester coming off of an L, I think that they're probably going to take it, and it's going to be two to one. Picking against my Gunners. All right, Lay. Guess I'm never ever picking AC Milan or Bayern for anything else. <laughs> Arsenal under Arteta really good at these sort of bounce back games. I do think Vardy will score because he's in hot form, but I like a 2-1 Arsenal win that's going to make me crap myself in the latter stages of the game. We're definitely going to face like 15 shots on target in the final five minutes, but <laughs> job done. All right, so as it stands, again, you are five points clear of me at the moment, but we both like PSG, both like Dortmund, both see a draw in Man United Chelsea. Did you say 2-2 for that, or did you pick Chelsea to win? I might have just written it down wrong. Uh, I think I put Chelsea to win. Yeah, okay. Give me that score again. I think I did just write it down wrong. I think I said 2-1, but I'm... We'll take that. Well, that works. Okay. Well, I'll go to... Then you like a draw in El Clasico. I like a Real Madrid win. Um, you have a draw in Betis and Atleti. I like an Atletico 1-0 win. Both have Leipzig relatively big. I have a draw in Werder and Hoffenheim, and you have a win for Hoffenheim. And then this is the big disagreement, Arsenal and Leicester. We each have 2-1, but going either way. So that, I think, will be the decider of the week. Um, So we'll see. And hopefully when we check back in, I'll be at least even with you on points. But we have the potential for a lot of disagreement here to have the points really shift. So Mm. we'll see next week. Well, all right. I think with that, we're running a bit spare on time here. So once again, thanks for checking us out and listening. As always, um, be sure to check us out on SoundCloud at Relegation Zone, on Spotify on Relegation Zone, at Apple Podcasts on Relegation Zone. I, You've heard this field before. Um, also on Twitter, where we really don't even tweet anything anymore. That's partially, well, if not wholly my fault. Leif, you have the access to the account, too, so you could tweet stuff. <laughs> I could tweet someone, Leif. Exactly. So got that on Twitter, got Instagram at relegation zone as well, as well as the website, which is getting a little uh, dusty at the moment. Um, well, so is that, uh, that Instagram. Yeah. Hey, well, at least, you know, the Instagram, I am the only one who ever contributes to that. <laughs> like our city of trading blows on con- uh, contributions <laughs> to, the, to our own pod. Airing the dirty laundry live in the end of the podcast. Yeah. All right, well, Again, check all that crap out if you want to. But in the meantime, go Gunners. Lathe, you win this round in the relegation zone derby, but there's always round two. Any last words? Uh, Cadiz. Welcome to the